You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. All the Mets had to do to get their season on track was promote Mark Vientos. That was the missing piece. And we saw it play out on Wednesdays. The Mets had a thrilling comeback victory over the Rays, I'm going to break down all of it in the first segment. Second segment, Kodai Senga was as good as we've seen any Mets starter this year in this one. So I'll break down what we like from that outing and what it could mean for this team trying to turn this year around. Then in the final segment, I'll discuss the roster move the Mets made and what I want to see moving forward now that they have Vientos, Beatty, and Alvarez up, how I'd like to see the playing time break out. So we will discuss it all before we do. I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find out my work, follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. And where I wrote an article today talking about Mark Vientos and how he could add power to the lineup. It's the same thing I discussed on yesterday's podcast. Then guess what happens? About 10 minutes, I think, before I was going to publish the article, Vientos gets called up. Podcast was already up. And I was like, do I gotta re-record? Do I gotta do I gotta come back and and, and do something else because Vientos set up to have to do an emergency podcast? I listened back to the show and I was like, oh wait a minute. I was talking like Vientos was already on the team because it made that much sense to finally promote him. And guess what? The Mets make the right move. And in the final segment, we'll discuss the roster machinations and, and all of that stuff and how he got on the roster, who got optioned. I don't care about that. We just watched the game of the year, and Mark Fiantos was the spark plug. He was the catalyst because Kodai Senga was brilliant, and once again, this Mets lineup did nothing. They were quiet. Nothing was happening. You get to this point where you're in the seventh inning, down 2 nothing after Senga only gave up one, the bullpen gives up one, the first inning he's out, and you think this game might be over. Mark Hanna gets hit by a pitch, always a good omen. And Mark Vientos comes up. What did I talk about in yesterday's show? Why Mark Vientos was ready to be back in the big leagues. Why he's ready to thrive in the big leagues and thrive against right-handed pitching. Well, he sees breaking balls much better now. Facing a guy with a weird arm angle, the Rays are always filled with those type of pitchers. Lever out of the pen. Gets a hanging slider. Identifies it. Doesn't miss it. Hits it dead central. That ball clears the wall. Mark Fiantos fired up as he runs the bases. The entire team fired up. And it felt like a spark was lit back into the Mets season. Hey, look, one game's not going to cure all, but it certainly cured all for a fan base that desperately needed some feel good. And that home run brought some feel good. Then the 2023 Mets come back and they bum you out. <laughs> okay? Eighth inning, Adam Onovino gives up two. Ninth inning, Nogasek labors and gives up one. Once again, the Mets are in a hole. They're down three. You think, all right, that's it. That's it. This team had a good fight. I was already trying to plan. I was going to talk about. Maybe I was going to discuss 
Uh, you know, Buck Showalter's managerial decisions. Would he play Vientos enough? And hey, Vientos provided a little spark and Sango is great. So, some good things to build on. But another loss for your New York Mets. And then guess what? They woke up and woke up in a big way because maybe it was Mark Vientos that had finally startled them up a couple innings prior. Daniel Vogelback draws a walk. Starlin Marte hit by a pitch. Seems like he's okay. He's a little bit scary. You have Brett Beatty strikes out. Mark Vientos flies out. All down to Francisco Alvarez, the ninth hitter. And what does Alvarez do? He hits a moonshot, 426 feet, 104.6 miles per hour off of the bat and ties the ball game for the New York Mets. It was the second pitch he saw. It was a hanger right down the middle. It was a sweeper that didn't sweep, but Alvarez was ready for it, and he put a great swing on it, and he sent the game to extras. And then at that point, when you get those two home runs, you think, man, are the Mets going to lose this game? They can't lose this game. The momentum's on their side. David Robertson, he gives up two, okay? And, you know, the the second run comes across. Uh, you had the the first guy, the, the extra runner, steals third base, so he's sitting there. A ground ball makes it through an, an infield that was pulled in. Nothing you could do. He gives up another hit. The Mets throw it home. Francisco Alvarez heads up play, cuts it off, knowing that they're probably not going to get the guy at the plate and gets the runner that was rounding first to get you out of that inning. And then it's like, all right, you just need two to tie. Well, the Mets did more than tie. You had your extra runner that was on. Jeff McNeil blooped a single, got on base. Lindor strikes out, and Pete Alonso comes up to the plate. And after seeing... The kids come through. You know when Pete Alonso gets a fastball out over the heart of the plate, what he's going to do with it. He takes that ball 112.3 miles per hour off the bat, 416 feet, and hits a walk-off home run that just reinvigorated the Mets season. Unbelievable to see the fight that the Mets finally show and to get that type of feel-good after so many just series after series, week after week of struggle, 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 struggle. That game tonight felt like a team finally finding an identity because that's what the Mets have lacked all year, an identity. And Kodai Senga, he deserves a lot of credit, and I'll discuss him in the next segment because he was sensational, so, so good against a great lineup. But the identity that was formed tonight is an identity I hope the manager can get behind. Because Buck Schoenberger didn't even look happy when Mark Vientos tied the game. Obviously he was. But here's a manager that might be a little apprehensive to hand the keys of his ball club to some young kids who don't know any better, who got all the swagger and bluster in the world that are just here to make a name for themselves and to hit tanks and to be MLB stars right away. But you need that youthful exuberance. And we saw it tonight. We saw with that youthful exuberance, that, you know, short memory that I, I don't care. I, I'm I'm playing and, and, and I'm going to put my best swing out there and I'm going to live out my dream on the biggest stage and not thinking about the repercussions of the last couple of weeks. And you know, when Mark Vanto steps into the box, you know, he might have a chip on his shoulder, but it's not because the Mets haven't been scoring runs. He has a chip on his shoulder because he thinks he should have been on this team a month ago. Should have started the season on this team. Francisco Alvarez goes up and he's just happy to be there. 
And these guys hit the home runs that kept you in that game long enough for your best player, Pete Alonso, to put you over the top and to win a thrilling, thrilling baseball game. And now, Mets might mess around and win a series against this race team. And if they do that, that's going to send a message that might reverberate a little bit around the National League that, you know what, this Mets team that some of us were pronouncing dead, uh, maybe they got a little life in them. And maybe I'm taking too much from one game. But damn it, let me be happy tonight. <laughs> what a baseball game. Uh, and Kodai Senga, again, deserves a lot of the credit. We're going to discuss him just a minute before we do. I want to tell you about the most comfortable shorts you could possibly buy, Bird Dogs. Okay, These are shorts where you don't have to worry about look because they look great. Okay, You could wear them to the golf course, wear them out to dinner, wherever you want to wear them. They look great, but they feel great. Okay, I'm a guy. I like my basketball shorts, man. Always have, always will. And I'd be lying if I said I'll stop wearing them. But the good thing now is if I want to look a little more respectable going out with the wife, I want to, you know, make her not look at me and say, oh, wow, looks like, you know, he just got out of a, you know, a Super Mario Brothers movie. I actually did see that. I did see that. I was wearing basketball shorts when I saw it. Still, that was before I had my bird dogs. Now I can wear my bird dogs. And she looks at me a little more like, oh, yeah, that's that's the man. That's the man I, I married. That's what you want. You want shorts that Everyone will love, and you're going to love wearing them. If you want to try Bird Dogs today, go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB. When you enter the promo code LockedOnMLB, they're going to throw in a free custom tumbler that is a Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, that is birddogs.com slash LockedOnMLB, and use that promo code LockedOnMLB. Navigating and pitching against this Tampa Bay Rays lineup is a difficult task, but Kodai Senga was up to it. He was incredible in this start. Maybe it's recency bias. I'd call it the start of the season. You know, I know Justin Verlander had a good one. Senga had a great one against the Rockies. Uh, Joey Lucchese against the Giants. But especially considering the the circumstances of the game with the way the Mets have been playing, the way that they rallied back and got the victory, and the fact that he was at the heart of it, carving through that raised lineup that immediately as soon as he goes out, Mets give up runs in each of those innings. Okay? They gave up runs the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th. Earned runs also, because even though the one inherited runner comes along, Robertson gave up too. So, earned runs in all of those innings. And all Senga gave up was a run in the 4th. A couple doubles that he allowed. But, I mean, go inning by inning. Okay? You have first inning. Strikes out one, walks one, line out, strikeout. Gets through the inning. Second inning, okay, gives up a base hit to lead things off, then strikes out the next three batters to get out of that one. And every single time a runner was on a base, it felt like they were stealing the next one, uh, but it didn't phase Kodai Senga. I, third inning, one, two, three. Fourth inning, that was when he ran into his trouble giving up those doubles, but still, after giving up the two doubles, he had struck out the first batter, gave it the two doubles, and then strikes out the next two to get out of the jam. Um, wild pitch, and that one put a runner on third base. He pitched with that runner there and was able to get out of it. Fifth inning, fly out, ground out, fly out. It was good for his pitch count. Sixth inning, walks the leadoff batter. Wander Franco steals second. 
Strikes out Randy Rosarina. Brandon Lau walks. Pop up. Okay, so you get that out. Two outs. Got runners at the corners. And a big, big strikeout. And we see an animated Kodai Senga as he leaves the mound. Goes into the dugout. Fired up as you've ever seen him. And just the type of start that gives you some confidence in Kodai Senga. And that's what the Mets need. They need guys to step up in that rotation. And so... As much as the you know, overriding narrative skews towards the rookies and the home runs, Alonzo with the walk-off, seeing the team score eight and coming back in that triumphant fashion, they wouldn't even be in that game at all if it wasn't for Kodai Senga. And maybe the best thing to take from it moving forward is Kodai Senga being able to go up against a team like the Rays and pitch like that because... You know, we're in a situation right now uh, uh, watching this Mets team where you're just not getting any good starting pitching. But the one thing I'll say is what Senga showed us tonight is the reason they signed him over Chris Bassett. Now, Chris Bassett has been amazing for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. And he just had a start recently against the Braves where he was lights out. So it's not to say that Chris Bassett can't pitch against good lineups. But in the playoffs last year, it certainly did look that way. And what Chris Bassett doesn't have in him is 12 strikeouts against the Rays. I'd be shocked if we see that stat line this year. Because he just doesn't have the arsenal that Kodai Senga does to get that level of strikeouts. Now, still walk three. Walks will be an issue. But what a performance by Senga. Um, and if he can keep that rolling and you start to get the version of Justin Verlander and Mark... Mark, jeez. Mark Fiantos always on the mind, kids. Um, the, if you get the version of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer that you expect, and Kodai Senga pitches like that, and then you get the lineup rolling with the Mark Fiantoses and everybody else uh, coming through and, and pulling their weight, there's no reason the Mets can't turn this thing around. Season's still very, very early. Haven't even played their 45th game. That's going to come tomorrow. The Mets win that and they beat the race in the series. Maybe momentum can shift back into their favor and they can carry it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe turn this thing around. Not to say everything is fixed in a night. Again, there's been a lot of issues and there's going to continue to be some. But the type of victory that they just had across the board, to, to have a, a starter dominate that way. To have the recently promoted Mark Fientos, Homer in his first game up. To have Alvarez hit a home run in that spot. And then to have your go-to guy walk it off. I think the collective victory in that clubhouse, what they're going to carry to the ballpark tomorrow, hopefully is going to weigh a lot more than just one victory could. But maybe I'm just being optimistic because walk-offs are fun. We'll see. I was frustrated, though, um, with the lineup today, (laughs) with uh, the decision the Mets made when it comes to the roster. So we're going to get to all of that um, in just a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by So Rare. Our new sponsor, So Rare, is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners 
with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, SoRare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance, collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next-level competitions and rewards. SoRare MLB managers who rank at the top or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of these rewards, which can include SoRare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and VIP experiences like meeting MLB stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn to play. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that is SoRare.com slash LockedOn. Start playing today. Mets play the Rays today, 110 Eastern. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now the roster move that coincided with Mark Vantos being promoted was Louis Guillorme getting optioned down to AAA. Why did the Mets make this move? He's the only player on the roster that had options to go down to AAA. That's the main reason. Now, he also was struggling. So I'm not going to bang the table and say, Oh, I can't believe they did this to, to Guillaume because he wasn't playing great. With that said, what I don't like about this move is that with Guillaume and being able to start him at second base, defensively, I still think that that is a net win for the Mets, but also it allows you to play Jeff McNeil in the outfield. So by optioning Guillaume, you're almost optioning the flexibility of playing McNeil in the outfield. Now, with that said, Eduardo Escobar might get some time at second base. I just don't love Escobar playing second base this stage of his career. I think he's much better suited to play third, but that's where we are. That's the decision that Matt's made, and I'm okay with it under one condition. Is Mark Fientos going to play every day, or almost every day, or four times a week? That's where I get concerned. Part of it, yes, is is the, the mcneil Giorme factor at second base. But I can live without that. That's not really the, the big thing that makes me pause and go, oh, what's happening here? And then you see the lineup. And this is where the concern continued for me. Eduardo Escobar was playing second and batting second. A little bit surprising. Tommy Pham in the game against the lefty. Mark Hanna in the game against the lefty. Who is absent? Brett Beatty and Jeff McNeil. Is that going to be a pattern? Again, Vogelback not starting. His one big spot, runners on, gets a lefty because the Rays played the matchup, struck out. Looked ugly too. So, that's why, partially too, I was okay if we found out that Daniel Vogelback would hit the IL with a phantom injury or that he would get traded or designated. Because it would have just opened that clear runway. Mark Vientos, everyday DH. Okay. I get not doing that though. I get the value that Vogelback brings. Even just to the bench as a left-handed bat. Fine. What concerns me is that you still have Tommy Pham and Eduardo Escobar that could be eating into the playing time of the young kids. If we learned anything tonight, 
that all of them have the potential to lead the yard at any time, which you can't say about a lot of the veterans. As hard as you can tell me, Buck Showalter, that Tommy Pham is hitting the baseball, I promise you, if you give him and Mark Viantos the same playing time, Mark Viantos is going to put up better numbers. Promise you. So it's just a matter of how does Buck Showalter deploy this team? We saw Brett Beatty get in there and left tonight because he pinch hit for Marcana. That's good to see. And if you're telling me that part of this decision was, all right, Brett Beatty's going to get some more time in the outfield because Mark Fiento's going to be playing some third base. As much as defensively, I'd be a little bit concerned. We did see Vientos make a bad play, a good play. We saw a bad third at second. We saw a really strong third at first. You're going to see a lot of that. You know, he does have a good arm. But footwork, decision-making, accuracy on his throws, all these things are going to be issues if he's out there at third base a lot. I think you still need Beatty playing the position mostly. And again, you can DH. You can just DH him. That would mean maybe not playing Tommy Pham. Oh, well. Oh, well. Tommy Pham's a fourth outfielder pinch runner. Maybe it should be Tim LaCastro. <laughs> Castro gets healthy. Maybe that should be the move. You carry LaCastro to just be a defense speed guy. You got your two boppers and you got Escobar being the utility fielder with Brett Beatty and Jeff McNeil being guys that can play in the dirt and the grass, can play the outfield and the infield, and you just cobble together and figure it out. I'm fine with that. What I'm not going to be happy with is prospects sitting with some of these veterans getting opportunities. With Daniel Vogelback still being the everyday DH, or not the everyday DH, the always DH if a righty starter's on the mound. Yes, get him in the lineup, sure, but not always. And you know what? If you're going to tell me that you're going to cut into Mark Hanna's playing time, and play Vogelback and Vientos. I'm cool with that. You want to put Brett Beatty in left, Vientos at third, and Vogelback at DH, and you're going to go heavy into the offense? Fine. I, I can accept that. What I'm not going to be happy with is Vientos, Beatty, and currently Alvarez being put on the bench in favor of veterans who aren't performing. So it's now on Buck to make all these pieces work. And I'm not going to criticize him until we get a sample size because we were quick to criticize him on Beatty. He's played him almost every day, largely. We were critical of him on Alvarez to start. Alvarez earned the job. So Vientos might have to earn the job. Certainly did it tonight. Let's see him continue to do it. And, and I think some of these roster things will eventually work themselves out where at some point Tommy Fan probably won't be on this roster and there's going to be a better option. But for now, and also I will say this too, as much as I might have campaigned for Fam, when Starling Marte gets hit in the wrist, first thought in my head was, glad they didn't DFA Tommy Fam today. So, to Billy Epler's credit, that is why you take the one guy with optionality in May, send him down, and figure it all out later. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. For all you everydayers, tomorrow's show, capping out this series against the Rays will be 
looking over what happened. Did they win it? Did they lose it? Looking at a weekend series against the Guardians. And maybe we'll check in on the last remaining top prospect in triple, Ronnie Mauricio. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan, And follow the show at Locked On Mets.